0: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
1: Fan Twitter brought to you by South Hills Kia and Peters Township. Visit them at SouthHillsKia.net. Jeff Hathorne, Nicholas Harry Callis, me, Doran Dickerson here with you on the Fan Morning Show. Uh, Bob Pompiani had a one-on-one interview with Art II yesterday, last night, around uh, 6.45. I mean, I'm sure it was taped, but it aired at 6.45 on KDKA-TV. uh Pomp asked him one question that really, I think, stuck, uh, has stuck out to people and what we will go with and uh, react on right now. Pomp asked, would the Steelers trade for a quarterback? You know, just blatantly asked him that. And Rooney's response was, as we sit here in early February, we're not closing the door on anything. We have a lot of evaluations to go through, and we'll go through all the options and do what we need to do to be, a, to be better this coming season. So, as we sit here in early February, it seems like everything is on the table for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Art II, Mike Tallman, Omar Khan, Andy Weidel, uh, to make sure that they put the best roster together to have a successful football season. I know that they had mentioned that Kenny Pickett is the guy, and they will ride with him. But they never said that they wouldn't bring in any other competition. They also said that they like Mason Rudolph, so they might work out something there. But everything should be on the table, Jeff. You're in a position where it hasn't been good enough. It really hasn't been good enough. And you got to figure out, like, what is the standard? We talk about the standard all the time. Is the standard winning a playoff game? Is the standard winning two playoff games? Is the standard just having a winning record? Is the standard a Super Bowl? I tend to believe that the standard with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Art II is to win a Super Bowl, get back to that prominent land that they once were at. Everything is on the table as it should be. So with that being said, it really only points to one guy, in my opinion. If everything is on the table and they're willing to trade for a quarterback, I mean, who's really the one tradable quarterback that you can get? C.J. Stroud,
2: because I know Houston's (laughs) looking to get rid of him. So, C.J., welcome to Pittsburgh. Listen, most championship teams take risks. Yep. It's a risk. But, and I'm starting to get to the point, as we were talking about it yesterday, with Justin Fields, obviously, we're talking about with the Bears. Hate to lose a second-round pick, but, but, that's what it takes? And I know the twenty-five million, you know, estimated for next year, with the contract picked up. But sooner or later, you're going to have to pay for a quarterback. There are ways around it. I mean, at some point, I think Hayward's contract is up. What after this season? Mm-hmm. And that's a that's almost that that almost covers that right there. Mm-hmm. Not that I I wouldn't look into bringing him back, but it's not going to be for that type of salary, right? You can move some of TJ and Highsmith and and Mankus contract down the road like you need a quarter you need a quarterback and it might still be kenny i mean he might come out under arthur smith and be this whole different guy um but whatever it is it's got to improve at that position
1: there's there's no doubt about it and we will get into hockey and in in the pittsburgh penguins uh coming up the next segment so make sure you stick around for that yeah that was fun uh that was great great win last night but the the chicago bears they do have the number one pick. Um, I think that people are alluding to, and especially, you know, the Adam Schefters of the world that they will stay at number one and they will draft Caleb Williams. So that does put Justin Fields uh, in a trade scenario. And if it is a second round pick and you think that Justin Fields is a raw quarterback that has all the intangibles, but just needs a little tinkering. I, I, I think that I, I personally let's, 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 let's rewind a little bit. I personally, think that Justin Fields can be a really good quarterback. I really do. I think he has all the tools that you need to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. He just needs to be in the right system. My question is, is this the right system? For me to go back, to know Arthur Smith, to know what he did with Ryan Tannehill, uh, to know what he did in Atlanta, and evaluate him, and could Justin Fields be the guy to take the Steelers to where they want to be? And that's that's not just winning a playoff game. I'm talking about farther than that. If you do put parameters around Justin Fields if he was your quarterback and you get Ryan Tannehill type production it's still really good Justin Fields is way better than Ryan Tannehill at Ryan Tannehill's highest level I think that if you do make that move I think within this offense they could really figure out Justin Fields and give him a sturdy platform to go out there and be a good quarterback I'm going to sit here I'm going to say that right now but it will be a competition. And you would hope that Kenny fights with his with his back against the wall and makes it as hard as possible. And I think that that's the situation that you need to put everybody in if you're the Pittsburgh Steelers. Not just the players, but coaches as well. Every day is a competition. If you bring in Justin Fields, I think you get the best of both worlds and you get the best of each guy with the competition. Kenny Pickett and Justin Fields.
2: So I'll look at it this way. I, I think um, Tyler Palco, obviously, you play with. And I, I forget all the exact names, but Joe Flacco was a pit. I Luke think Getzey was a pit. And what did that do for him? And I, it made him work harder, mm-hmm. and it brought out the best in him. And he became he was the best of the three. wasn't the best pro out of the three. May not have been even the best quarterback, but at that time, he took his game to another level. And I see them with similar personalities. So I think if you bring in a Justin Fields, I think the difference was say staying with the Mason is I don't I don't think Mason, God bless him for what he did, is a long-term answer at quarterback whereas Fields could be.
1: I mean, uh, uh, you, Mason what Mason did was exactly what you ask a backup quarterback to do, to win you a couple games, to win you a few games, to win you three or four games uh to get you uh to keep that production at at the same level either what it was whenever the quarterback got hurt. Or to raise the level of production whenever the production wasn't great. And Mason did do that. Can he do that for a whole entire season? I don't think so. Like, you know, I, I don't. I, I think he is a backup quarterback. And I think he did a fantastic job whenever he got his opportunity. You know, a, fifth, I, I, a fantastic job. Hard situation to go in, just like Mike Sullivan, to be asked to call plays in the middle of the season. Just like Eddie Faulkner. He was put in a tough situation as a third-string quarterback. Not getting many reps, probably, right. throughout the season. He's getting scout team reps. But he went in there, and he played relaxed, and he was like, you know, this is my opportunity to show what I uh, I am capable of. And that will benefit him this coming offseason, regardless if he's here or if he's with another team. He's going to get paid some money to be a backup somewhere. But that's what he is. And I I look
2: at it, so the comparison is to Geno Smith. Maybe he found it later in his career. Okay, let's say he is Geno Smith. Is Geno Smith a Super Bowl quarterback? (laughs) Fields might be. I mean, he's got that type of talent, that type of excitement—a guy that can make a game-changing play for you. Now, maybe he doesn't. You know, the comparisons to the the greatest in the game right now are probably not fair. But can he? Like, can you see that? And and like we said, I I love the fact that not only would it spur Kenny, but Fields would have to know, like, hey, this is a battle. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not I'm not just being anointed here. I got to come in here and work. I got, iron sharpens iron. You heard that 10,000 times from Mike Tomlin. Well, bring in some more iron. Because some career backup, is that going to sharpen what Kenny does? Not that he won't work hard, all that stuff. But, I mean, it just makes – it's it's just one of those things. It just makes more and more – sense.
1: The fan text line brought to you by Edgar Snyder and Associates, a personal injury law firm where they always say, there's never a fee unless we get money for you. The only thing that worries me, Jeff, is that if the Steelers think that he can be that guy and they're willing to trade for him, they're willing to trade away a pick and they're willing to you know spend some money on Justin Fields, why doesn't the Chicago Bears feel that way about him? Now, is Caleb Williams that much better than Justin Fields? I don't know. He in college. I mean, I I watched him play in college. Does that always translate to the NFL? No, No. it doesn't. Now, if the Chicago Bears are willing to give up Justin Fields, that would not a red flag. But I'd be kind of like holding it, you know, right by my right by my midsection and like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Well, if uh, obviously if they thought that he could be the guy, they would keep him and they would trade away the first pick, get more picks, and then surround him with with more weapons. That would be my only kind of hesitation. Of the whole trade is that why don't you think that he could be the guy? Now, I know that Caleb Williams is a, you know, a a talent that you haven't seen. And he does things like Patrick Mahomes and people are enamored with that. But that's not necessarily going to translate to the NFL. It could and it it might, but you just don't know if it's going to. So my red flag would be that right there.
2: I I, I do think the difference would be is that you're going to get Caleb Williams cheap for four years. Yes. Whereas Fields starting... In 2025 is going to cost you a hell of a lot more money, and then if you sign him to an extension, it's so that might be one of the areas you're looking at. Okay, we've got a quarterback. You know, it's been said here you get peck, pick it on a rookie quarterback. You got a chance to spend money in other areas, so maybe that's what the Bears. Th- I, I know a lot of people are high on Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. I know Doug Whaley's not one of them.
1: He is one of them.
2: He is, he is. Like he one of them. He is.
1: He is like more than anybody. He is more than anybody. And that's why it shocked me. What if the Bears like
2: go do what they did at, what 8 years ago and take the quarterback from Carolina
1: and shock everybody? They could do that too. They could be playing a game. I mean, whenever you right. have the full control and especially of the NFL draft. I mean, you could tell somebody something, tell somebody another thing, but also be, you know, really know what you really want to do. They could they could probably keep Justin Fields and they might they may think he's the I'm, guy.
2: If I'm a Bears fan, I'm hoping that all of this stuff is just setting setting themselves up to get to work a trade or whatever they want to do. To get the most value they can. I hope that the Bears aren't like, man, we got fleeced last time by the Steelers. In the I, I, would deal. That. I would think that. I would think that. If I were if GM. I, wanna, I don't know if I want to do business with them again.
1: But, I mean, that's on them too. I mean, that's on them too. You, I mean, you have to do your due diligence and think that you can get the most out of a guy. And you gave up the pick. So, uh, yeah, but I would think that. I would, I would ask for a little bit more than any other team if I were working a deal with the Steelers. I'd ask for a little bit more. Than what I would probably ask for for another team, for sure. Just so I can get something back, a little bit, maybe even 2% of what I gave up back. Um, there's one, th- I I do give Art the second a lot of credit, though, because the way that he has maneuvered uh, conversations uh, in the past, he could have easily walked around and danced around that and made it sound like, you know, we aren't is- interested, but we like Kenny Pickett, we like what we have. We'll see how those things unfold and, you know, just kind of filibuster throughout that that response. But he was very candid in, in saying, I mean, this is the quote, as we sit here in early February, we're not closing the door on anything. We have a lot of evaluations to go through, and we'll go through all the options and do what we need to do to be a better team this coming season. I mean, he's very candid about that. And he said we're, you know, patience is running thin as at his post uh, postseason press conference. And you can kind of tell a little bit. And rightfully so. So I, I I do believe him whenever he says that, that basically all options are on the table. And I give him credit for being that candid and that coming out that Pomp asked that question too.
2: You know, and, and even though we want to see more moves, especially with the offensive staff, I mean, he did. Has a new GM. Brought in Weidel. When he, when he could have just said, oh, you know, Omar is good enough to be the GM. We don't need another guy at that level but he he went and got a guy from Philadelphia a place where they've scouted really well they've turned over their scouting department uh they've skirt they've turned over their their training staff i mean maybe they're thinking that's an issue with them too that the you know we need to find a different way to train our athletes like maybe they're not in the, in the best position that they should be in i mean they are looking at avenues now it's time uh, to make that major on field move Let's see if they do it.
1: Let's see if they do it. I know that the Penguins made a lot of moves, and it kind of bred a little bit of a success last night.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today.
1: Fan Morning Show Twitter poll brought to you by PJ Fitzpatrick, Home Improvement, Trust PJ.com. Thorne Dickerson, Jeff Hathorne, Nicholas Harry Callis, behind the glass. Pat Bostic joins us at 7 a.m. Ray Fittipaldo. At 8 a.m. and Doug Whaley at 9 a.m. Jeff, big win by the Penguins last night. They're on a little break, their NHL All-Star break. Had a couple days off, got some rest, came back, played Winnipeg, three to nothing over Winnipeg last night. Tristan Jari, 23 saves and a shutout. It's his sixth shutout of the season. He leads the NHL in shutouts. Whenever that. That contract was uh, presented in the beginning of the year. Everybody kind of scoffed at it, but it's not looking too bad right now. Two power play goals: Jeff Carter and Brian Rust and Latang had a goal. Let's hear from Mike Sullivan on uh, the power power play success.
0: It just stems from simple, you know, simple plays and putting pucks at the net and having having a presence there. And so, um, I thought both units. You know, did a good job. They had some pretty good looks. They weren't forcing plays that weren't there. They take what they was, was given. We had a net presence, uh, but we had sticks in the right areas where we could, we could contest any rebound, uh, cause positionally I thought we were in the right spots. So, uh, I thought they, they executed and, uh, obviously those two power play goals are, are a big part of the game.
1: Jeff, you were at the game last night. Did you feel any difference whenever you were watching the Penguins? Did they look different? They probably look fresher. Obviously they were off their feet for a little bit, but did they look different structurally? So it wasn't the most exciting game
2: ever. But that works to their advantage. It was a low event game. It was a I mean, it was a low event game. And that that was that was perfect. I mean, for them. They didn't make mistakes. They didn't allow that huge odd man rush. They didn't take stupid penalties. Uh, they just, they played a smart game. They let it come to them. Even though it was only one, nothing, there might've been a little unease, like, okay, this game could be tied here in a second. Uh, they didn't freak out. And then on the power play, like Sullivan was saying, it was simple. None of the, neither of the two goals were set up by great passes. Mm-hmm. Neither was set up by great structure. It was a shot on the net. And what do you know? You stand in front of the net, Jeff Carter, Wraps it around Hellebuck's leg, boom, 2 nothing. Then about a, a minute later, minute and a half later, Rust is in front of the net, and like puck got loose, boom, 3 nothing. It's not that hard. Mm-hmm. You
1: put a guy in front of the damn net, and good things happen. And you were saying that about, what, about a week and a half ago, two weeks, right before the All-Star break, they miss a guy like Hornquist, and if you could put maybe Jeff Carter in front of the net, you're like, I don't love it, but he's a guy that could do that. Good things will happen, and look, bang.
2: Yeah, and they they mixed up the power play. And, and again, so our, the first minute, you started hearing some chants fire Reardon. And mm. Todd Reardon's the, mm-hmm. the assistant coach who, who coaches the power plays. And you're thinking, oh, man, are they going to go five minutes without scoring? Because like, that's not out of the realm of possibility, given their failures this year on the, on the man advantage. But they stuck with it. They didn't have a big turnover like they've had in some games to lead to an odd man rush. Um, kept it in the zone, got that shot in. And if you're putting a team together and Peter King was on yesterday and he was talking about his all time team, like the last four decade team. And one of his receivers was Heinz Ward. I mean, think of all the great receivers. And one of them was Mm Heinz. And he said, I'm not putting together an all-star team. I'm, I'm putting together a team to win. And I need that intangible guy that can do all these things. Plus, you know, be able to play the game. Jeff Carter isn't a guy I want anywhere near my top two lines. But on a power play, I like him in there.
1: Was this what you saw last? You said a low eventful game, but they win 3-0. They get a shutout. Tristan Jarry 23 saves, and you get two power play goals. Did it, Did it look like a recipe for a foundation of success moving forward, or did it look like a one-off? Like, you know, they play, what, Friday against the Wild. Should we expect to see the same type of play? From the penguins or was it like okay and i know people are going to be skeptical regardless you're going to be skeptical you're going to be like okay like let's see if you can double up and get a win just like you did before but from what you saw in your vantage point of being at the game did it look like a, like okay this is who the penguins might translate their personality into
2: alas is the enigma of the pittsburgh <laughs> penguins because you see a game like that and you think there's your blueprint that's how you have to play and that's where guys like Eller was saying on Monday, um, other guys, and even Sullivan was saying like about the mental toughness, being focused day-to-day, shift-to-shift. Like, So if they go into Minnesota and think they've figured it all out and have a, a bad loss like they did in Arizona not long ago, then this team's going nowhere. If they can build on this, do a similar – even if they don't win, but they play a similar type of game – they're being responsible they stay in front of the net they get pucks in front they're going to be successful more times than not and listen they've got a great opportunity no one that they're playing is higher than third in their division yeah it's a it's a road trip with back-to-back games they had to play at Minnesota and at, at Winnipeg again but they got a chance here to make some hay and like you're starting to see Washington sliding back mm-hmm. Philly won but they had lost 5 in a row Islanders are uncertain um the Devils, I I'm not sure what the Devils are this year. Like, there is an opportunity, but they're not good enough to mentally take – I wouldn't say whole games, even parts of games often win. Yeah. Like, they've got to keep that mentality. And when they do, they can win. Not that Winnipeg's the greatest team ever, but when they play responsibly and don't worry about being perfect and being showboating or making some – just make the plays you're supposed to make they can win.
1: I know, I know you said that there were some early chance of fire Reardon, uh, special teams coach and, you know, the power play coach uh, early on in the game. But outside of that, could you feel any tension in the atmosphere with the way the pens were playing? And then a kind of sigh of relief whenever that final horn uh, went off,
2: you know? So Achari gets, gets drilled yep. by, by Dylan. And he goes down and, you know, he's on all fours and you're thinking, okay, hopefully. And then he like, tried to got up to get up and stumbled. You're like, Oh, so there's that, pall around the arena, like, oh, man, how bad is this guy? And you're you're kind of booing Dylan for for the hit, and then the power play starts, and then you could feel it, mm-hmm. like, because the ones that weren't chanting, fire reardon, were kind of like, oh, or you heard some boos, or you hear, the, shoot the puck, mm-hmm. you know, you, inevitably you start hearing that stuff. So there was that, and if they don't bust through in the power play there and at least score once. And the fact they scored twice that ended the game, if, if they would not have scored in that five minute power, I guarantee you they would have lost that game. Mm-hmm. But that kind of took the edge off a little bit. It reinforced the narrative. And I thought Jari in early in the third, made a couple of really nice saves on some point blank opportunities. I, I mean, Sometimes you can get confused and say, well, if a guy's not sprawling all over the place, then he's not making spectacular saves. The goal is, I mean, that's what made like Brodeur so good. Rarely you saw him like on his back or any, he just knew to be in the right position, and Jari was in the right position. And for the most part, the guys did a good job of clearing traffic. So if there was a rebound, there weren't those second chance opportunities or guys just hanging out in front of the net. So all of it worked. But don't overlook Jari. I mean, he, he lets in one of those goals. He lets in one early. Now they had the one that was overturned because of the offside. Uh, if he doesn't make a couple of those saves, I mean, maybe they start feeling it again and make that one mistake, and all of a sudden it's a one-goal game.
1: Six shutouts this year for Jari. He uh, leads the league and the NHL in shutouts, and Penguins get a big win last night. And, you know, we hope that they can double down uh, their next game against the Wild on Friday, coming up next, in about three years from now, three, four ish years, we could see a huge event here in the city of Pittsburgh.
3: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget.
1: And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now,
0: families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.
3: Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.
1: Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always
0: football season right here on the free Odyssey app.
1: Fan Mori Show brought to you by Armstrong Comfort with Matt Mertz Plumbing. Doran Dickerson, Jeff Hathorne, Nicholas Harry-Kaus behind the glass. Cam Hayward is on the TV right now. He's at Radio Row, and they're talking about him being a six-time nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And I'm surprised he hasn't won it.
2: I know. There have been some bigger names that you might know nationally that have won it. I think uh, who's the offensive lineman from the Rams who recently retired? He's done an unbelievable job, and I think he won in his last year, and and deservedly so. I mean, the guy's unbelievable, but it's time. Yeah, it's time. I mean, it's time. The thing that the thing about Cam is like some guys have a day where they go out. Like he's during the season, he has the his Cam's kindness week, where he goes to multiple events daily. And not only does he head events and head to the Hayward House, and he does the great. A charity where he provides clothes for for young men and women that, that can't afford it. So when they go into interview settings, like they look professional and that gives them an opportunity to land jobs. Uh, but he's at other people's events. Like when other people have stuff, most of the times you see Cam there. Oh yeah. I mean he is he is the complete package. And when he's no longer a stealer, that's I mean that, that'll be rough for the community. Much like like Pouncey did a lot of stuff. Yes. And to not have him here sucks from that standpoint. Hopefully Cam sticks around.
1: Fan Hotline presented by Sullivan Super Service. Pittsburgh's trusted plumbing and HVAC service and provider for over 50 years. Uh, Jeff, there could be a big event to come to the city of Pittsburgh in about three or four years. Uh, The Steelers put in a bid for the NFL draft uh, to host uh, the NFL draft here in the city of Pittsburgh. And it was voted, unanimously voted By the stadium authority of the city of pittsburgh uh to have that here in the year 2026 or 2027 for those drafts how do you think that would go would would you think the city would be excited do you think they have the infrastructure where would they put it at and where would they host it maybe at acreshore stadium maybe at the point um i do think it's time to to host a big event like that people love pittsburgh people know that there's a lot of tradition here uh for their football teams and I think it will it would go well. I think people would be excited. I just don't know about the whole traffic and infrastructure situation.
2: Yeah, that's always a, an issue in, yeah. in our city, isn't it? Even when there's not big events. I'm sure there are people sitting in it right now that are like, how the hell would you be able to bring all these people right. in here? I mean, the point would be the would be an awesome setting. But the tents and all of that, because you're looking at late April, which who knows what the weather will be here in late April. I mean, it could be one of like eight it, things, it, right? <laughs> that that you could be dealing with. It could be a snowstorm. Could be seventy-five degrees. It could. I mean, who knows? I think it'll be at the stadium, and they'll take advantage of the North Shore, and you know, have a huge setup probably in the stadium, and either put people on the floor and in the stands, and then you've got the Great Hall, and you could put stuff in. I think that's probably the best setting because convention center is nice, but there's nowhere. To expand it out from there. Right. But you kind of can at at sure, you can kind of go outside and you can overflow it and you can have things set up around there. So, But it's a no-brainer. So, they had it in Cleveland. They can have it in Cleveland. Oh, they, they can, can have, have it, it here. here, yeah. By the way, my daughter went to it. Oh, really? She goes to school in Cleveland. And she went to the event, and they have helmets of all the teams because it's not just a Pittsburgh – you know, it's not just Cleveland. It's an everybody event. And – they had a guard stationed 24 hours around the Steeler helmet. So no one would vandalize it because she wanted it. So she got a picture with the Steeler helmet and, and when the guard was there, she's like, like asking like, what, what, why are you standing? He's like, they had to have somebody standing there for 24 hours a day during the draft to protect that helmet from some idiot
1: spray painting. Oh my goodness. No, the hatred probably runs- would help it happen here too. Yeah. Hatred
2: to does the same deep. thing,
1: but, Hatred runs deep. Wow, it's that's a great event. Cool. Yeah, it's I, a
2: great yeah, event. I mean, I, there are concerts involved. It's more than just the draft. Like it's this huge, it's a huge celebration of the city. What other cities? When you look at the ones that have already
1: had it, I mean, why, why? I mean, Pittsburgh would be an ideal spot. I'm surprised it hasn't been here yet, but I do anticipate. You know, they put in a bid for it, and I'm sure every other team puts in bids for it. But I could see it absolutely happening. It's probably going to happen. Yeah, you make that money back oh, during yeah, draft that's week. A, yeah, that's a good idea. That's a very good idea. Uh, but I, I'd be excited to go check that out, for sure. That'd be a, a little fun event. Pitchers and Catchers, they report a week from today, next Wednesday, for the Pittsburgh Pirates down in Florida. We will talk about that next. And also, some odds of FanDuel, DraftKings, and BetMGM on where the Pirates will finish in their Oh, we got to bring Callis in on this, we, right? Oh, Callis is in where they will finish in their division in the NL Central. There's some odds out there for Callis. We'll get you in on that. We'll talk about that next. 50-minute mark on the fan brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Route 19 in Peters Township celebrating 50 years in the South Hills. Pitchers and catchers report in a week, Callis. You excited about that? I mean, you were yes. talking on the your early morning show, maybe actually taking the uh, trip down.
4: Definitely inspiring that out. me, and then some fans called in to add to the encouragement. So you should sure. go.
1: You should go. Pitchers and catchers. You can watch them work out and see who's throwing the fastest. And I'd probably go for a,
4: for a game if anything. I mean, working out's kind of cool, but it's like you know, that make it old. Maybe maybe a couple games over a four day weekend. You know, Friday through Monday.
2: You tell the fam, like, listen, I don't need any shirts this year for my birthday or Christmas. Just there it is. Mm hmm.
1: Little plain. Plane trip, little uh, plane ticket, hotel. Yeah, you should do it. How about these odds? DraftKings, FanDuel, and BetMGM have uh, NL Central odds. Not big fans. Yeah, not big fans of the the Pittsburgh Pirates. DraftKings has, uh, this is to win the division. DraftKings has the Cubs plus 170, Cardinals plus 180, the Reds plus 390, Brewers plus 700, and the Pirates plus 2,000. FanDuel. Has the Cardinals plus one thirty five, Cubs plus two thirty, Reds plus three forty, Brewers plus eight fifty, and the Pirates plus sixteen hundred. Bet MGM, Cardinals plus one sixty, Cubs plus one ninety, Reds plus three fifty, Brewers plus eight hundred, and the Pittsburgh Pirates plus two thousand. Did the Cardinals do anything to warrant that's having better credibility this <laughs> I... they... That's exactly what Jeff and I were talking about off air. Uh, I'm I'm going to the fact that they think that last year, them not being so good, that they won't have a year like that again, and they'll bounce back. They'll respond from that year.
4: By winning the division? Yes. And they signed
2: Sonny Gray. Oh, wow. What a signing. But I, I think they get the benefit of the doubt, maybe sometimes like the Steelers do, of like, hey, they're gonna bounce back. I mean, they're the Cardinals. They're gonna they're gonna return. It's just a matter of time. These young guys are gonna come through. It was
4: just a down year. But I don't see it. So the Steelers haven't finished in last place since eighty nine, I believe. So that's that's different as well. Like you could have an off year, but they they were last. And they didn't add any significant pieces. What do you though? think the odds of them
1: finishing last this coming year is? Though I think it's very, right. very slim.
4: Right, but but those are odds to win the division, and they're right. The, they're the best odds, right? That's that's what I take issue with. They have the best odds of winning with no significant additions after finishing in last the prior season. That just and and I know Corbin Burns was trade traded, but
2: like all of them have the Brewers fourth. Yeah. Like, I don't know if they fall down that far. I mean, was the Cubs – what are the Cubs going to do with Bellinger? Are they going to sign Bellinger? Like, that's going to tell me a little bit more about what the Cubs are going to bring this year. And the Reds, I and mean, you see the talent. Right. And they got a ton of infielders. Is Dela Cruz going to follow up with another – build on what he did last year? If they do, the Reds are absolutely a contender. They do have some good young pitching. It's not like it's a lock for them. And maybe the Cubs' success was a one-off. But the fact that the Pirates are like
1: double the odds. I mean, that just makes me want to sprinkle some money on them. I mean, would that be crazy? I mean, did, did, does anybody think that they have a chance to win? No, nobody. But I think that – I think it could be anybody's division again.
4: No, I agree with you. i uh, I don't know about last, though. I don't like – I don't like that they have the worst odds. I don't think they're going to win the division, but, like, giving the worst odds is not – doesn't seem fair. I mean, there's still some what-ifs, let's be Mm -hmm. honest. I
2: mean, the fact that, you know, O'Neal Cruz has to return to what you thought he would be last year and build on what he did in 22. There's some starting pitching – you know, Martin Perez, what is he? Marco Gonzalez, like, can he be an effective starter – when does Skeens get up? And when Skeens does get up, does he immediately, you know, take the MLB by storm? If some of those things happen and Cabrian Hayes kind of – you saw him in the second half of the well, season. He's like, like, he was dynamite. He was starting to hit the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, Reynolds get a little bit more protection in that lineup. What I hate is that they just went the cheap route at first base. I wish they – Hoskins, Bellinger, somebody, you know, like go out there and make a splash – I mean, Rowdy Teles is so uninspiring to me. Like that—that that to me sucks. Of all the the off-season stuff, the fact that they didn't hit first base harder than they did, with no real player in the minors that projects to be their their first baseman, like that—that that stinks.
4: You think? I mean, I think Jared Triolo. I was just about to say that. If they don't play him at second base, he seems like a good defensive option at first. And Telez could be more of your designated hitter if McCutcheon plays the outfield more. But that's all—that's all speculation.
2: But he doesn't have much power, or at least he hasn't shown it.
4: Maybe the 320 in right field is something—you know, like a shorter right field compared to most major league parks. I'm and just, and I'm, then you got I'm questions. Grasping. I mean,
2: you got—I mean, the other thing that really hurts is Andy Rodriguez going down.
1: That's—that's that's a killer. That, that is a killer. Because now, I mean, you, you had your right fielder, obviously, in Henry Davis, and now he's going to go back to his you know, position that he was drafted at and play that position, but you wanted Endy. And just the way that Endy played, like, it wasn't great at times last year, but I just thought that his mentality was great. And the way that he just approached every single game was great, and he could build off of that. Hey, That's why it's demoralizing to me.
4: It seems he could get the uh, the Potential to get better as yeah. well as a player. I mean, oh, getting sure. the major league experience was important.
1: Yeah, but even not having the experience in, in in it being up and down, whether it was hitting and whether it was catching, I think I feel like his leadership and mentality. Oh. Whenever there was a pitcher out there, like he had that. He had the eyes. He had the things that you actually need to build off of to be a really good catcher. Pitchers sure. raved about him.
2: Raved. I mean, about how he worked. Yes. And how, you know how he how he wanted to be a part of of all the planning, <laughs> all the stuff that goes into a start. Like they and and his attitude, man. He's always positive. Like let's go. Um, and I think he learned a little, as much as it was maligned when he was there. Like I, I, thought Hedges like provided some good advice for him. Like provided not at the plate, but with all the other intangible stuff.
4: Between um, the, hedges. <laughs> the world
1: champion, Austin yeah, hedges, world champion. Yeah, world champion Austin Hedges. Good on him. Hey, hey, hey. You got to be a part of. Hey, he did. He. Didn't do what he needed to do, be lucked into what he needed to do. And and you can't hate that sometimes.
2: You kind of love that you have Chapman in the final three innings.
1: Not bad. Two time
2: World Series champion. Chapman is. Mm -hmm. That's going to be weird the first time he walks out of that bullpen. It's going to be really weird. Mm
1: hmm. Mm hmm. Coming up next, Pat Bostick joins the show. First fan weather brought to you by Sun Chevrolet. Check out special financing for qualified buyers on the new Silverado 1500 trucks.